bum, 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 Do we have to? Quit playing games with my heart. My heart. <laughs> with my heart. <laughs> I think I lost my... There we go. Are you I back was like, you world? cut out. <laughs> Trust me, I didn't... I wish I, would... I wish I was cut out. I'm just going to unplug my headphones so this whole yeah. circumstance will be muffled and I don't have to repeat this nightmare. God damn right. <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the phenomenal film critic, Kristen Pennington. <laughs> and we're here to bring you another edition of two, 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 stars, stars, two, 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 stay, 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 And that went on longer than this film. What a two star it is. What a two star it is indeed. Another post-work edition of the two star. My head's in a weird place. Let's do this shit. Are you ready? I hope so. All right. (laughs) Uh, The film we're covering today is 2018's All Light Will End. I wish the movie would have ended immediately following the introduction to the film, but we got goods to start. We got a lot to cover here. Uh, A lot of ground to go. Um, But before we even do the deep dive into the film, I I felt it apropos, given how much Kristen enjoyed this film, um, Uh, and given Kristen's... 2020 goal of sending films off to film festivals. Mm-hmm. This won three awards. This Did won it? Best Original Screenplay. Oh boy. At the Toronto International Spring of Horror. It won the Best Feature Film at the Tupelo Film Festival. Okay. And it's second placed for Suspense Thriller at the International Horror Hotel Film Fest. Second place. On an international level, which means you can do it too. <laughs> and it was ironically, which we didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know this until after we had already watched it. It was shot in Nashville, Tennessee. Shot in Nashville, Tennessee. We could have sabotaged it. We were there in 2018. We could have sabotaged <laughs> this entire situation. They could have hired us. I don't know something. Saved this entire situation. <laughs> Would have fixed it. But I'm like, uh, I hear you got a, an interesting concept over there. <laughs> You mind if I tagged along? But they don't listen to the Two Star Tuesdays. They made all the mistakes we talk about on Two Star Tuesdays, so we're going to fucking talk about it. What is it for, score? Well, normally in a Two Star, I try to do five goods and five bads, and here I have four goods and ten bads. I have four goods and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bads. <laughs> eight bads. See? There we go. <sighs> we're off to a rock and a roll. What did uh, the critics think, though? The critics thought the IMDb score was 4.3, putting it right in the straight and, straight and narrow. The uh, Rotten Tomatoes, we do not have a critic score. I don't blame them. Uh, and somehow the audience score is 74%. How in the absolute mother of God did that happen? What is, I forgot the audience score was high. Yeah, Ugh. what is coming of our country? I get it. People don't read anymore, okay? I, I understand that whole process. Donald probably, Trump's the president, but he, don't let him ruin our movies. It was probably, <laughs> if I had to make a bet, all of the extras from Nashville who acted in this, they're a very tight-knit yeah. like, community. This was incredible! Who, yeah, are really gung-ho for all the projects yeah. they work on. Because so it, it either probably... got five stars or it got one star. Like, on all the reviews that I was reading, either they were like this is just it's too smart of a concept for you to understand that everybody else is like this is dog shit so if you've not seen it and you're unfamiliar with the two star we like to go over the good the bad and what we learned 
uh, from the movie is my... the cats try to kill themselves yeah. right next to the mic. Try to go over the good, the bad, and what we learned, and uh, it's mostly going to be bad. So, this was produced by Red Vessel Entertainment. This is their first feature film, and Movie City Films. There were one or two others, but didn't bother to write them down. <laughs> uh, we don't know the budget, thank God. Couldn't find it. Yeah, and this film follows what we've learned on the Two Star Tuesday to be The Curse, which is the writer's for this were Chris Blake and Jason Hill, and the director was Chris Blake. You did it. You shot yourself in the foot. And the, I discovered while I was looking up stuff, the cinematographer was also one of the editors, so Fatal probably flaw. should have just hired yeah. more people. You don't want to reach the situation where you're in the moment, and you're like, that's the perfect shot. That's Kristen's pretty shot. And then when Kristen gets back to the editing table, she's like, that's still Kristen's pretty shot. And nobody else looks over the shoulder and goes, uh... That shot's dog shit. That's not a dog focus. shit. <laughs> Why is the room lit like this? But we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, our character selection. Wait, before we talk about the characters, can okay. I say this? Because this um, this had me laughing while I was looking up the characters. This is the only two star that we have ever done where I literally had to scour the IMDb <laughs> photos to figure out what character yeah. was what. Well, I've, I've got... I couldn't figure out who one of the boyfriends was, and yeah. I only figured out all the other characters because they were tagged in photos on IMDb. Well, then I might need to give you the character listings um, after I do our first one, because I was so confused trying to piece together who it was, because on the IMDb, normally there's like 20 or 30 stills from the work. You'd be like, oh, that's that's who that person is. Um, and all of these actors, with the exception of one, just had this film, and it was one screenshot from this film. And I still... I couldn't remember who the girlfriend well, was. I couldn't remember who the sister was. Yeah, me too. And, like, um, it's the mom. There's no sister, but... Um, oh, that one. But, yeah. I'm like, sorry. Every... I must have missed all the character development. <laughs> well, but, and see, that's the problem. We'll get there. We'll get there. Every we'll... other movie we've done has, like, at least some introduction or development or some attempt at developing relationships between the characters. Yeah. These were all just, like, thrown in, and all of the women kind of look similar, and all the men kind of look similar, and I literally had to go through the IMDb yeah. photos and be like, who is who? Still don't know what happened at the end. Yeah. Still have no <laughs> fucking idea. It... it, it Ugh. Um, but our characters here, I'll do the first one, and then, because you know the relationships, do you have those down? Yes, I do. I'll let you do the rest of them. Um, the first one is David, cop father. He's played by Andy Buckley, who you might know is David Wallace from The Office. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's true. That <laughs> is. See, I didn't even look up who any yeah. of the actors were, because well, I was just like, oh, God. I'll cut you off. I've got two or three on here that... I know things that they've been in before. Okay, thank so. you, because I didn't write down yeah. anything about them. So yeah, I do have um, Chief David is the father of our main character. Mm -hmm. The main character is Savannah, and um, she's the writer. No bullshit. That took me ten minutes to figure out. I couldn't remember if Savannah or Diana, and I was like, why Why would you name them so similarly? <laughs> yeah, I, could, I literally <laughs> was like scrubbing through the photos. It's almost like there's no sense of the other. <laughs> <sighs> but uh, since you brought her up, Diana is the mother. Um, she's the one who gets dead dead. She was the mom. Yes, Diana was the mom. Thank you. Um, Savannah's the daughter. And then Leland is the brother. I don't even have Leland on my list. <laughs> Leland's her brother who gets uh, the axe. That was her brother? Yeah, that was her brother. 
I thought she was fucking that guy. No, that was her brother. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, this is how confusing <laughs> it is. Um, Jack is her boyfriend. I don't have Jack either. <laughs> um, Faith is her friend. The From when they're drinking? Yeah. On the um, patio? Faith, Jack, um, Savannah, and I think this is the one I couldn't figure out. I think maybe Paul is Faith's uh, boyfriend. They're the four who yeah. go to the place together. Yeah, because they were trying to... Paul was fucking... Like that was like the big thing. It was like Paul was trying to get some sex. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So that's the only one I could so figure out. So Faith's boyfriend? Yeah. Paul is Faith's boyfriend. Um, Jack is Savannah's boyfriend. And then I didn't write down the psychiatrist or any of them. Um, I've got a few. I've got Kelly. I, don't, I can't remember who Kelly was. I think she was part of the friend group. Um, I've got Sarah Butler. No, never mind. Sarah Butler, I'm looking at my notes and it's all fucked up. (laughs) Diana, the mom, was played by Sarah Butler, who played Jennifer in the uh, rape revenge film I Spit on Your Grave, which is the remake of I Spit on Your Grave, not the original. I have never heard of that at all. Yeah. It's it's like the the pinnacle of rape revenge films. I think it started that genre with the original, Hmm. but she was in the remake. Like, girl gets gang raped. Girl gets pissed off. Girl kills the rapists. Gotcha. Awesome film. Um, and Adam, who plays Black Cop, <laughs> he was played by uh, Sam Jones the Third, who was Pete in Smallville. Hmm. But I'm not familiar with Smallville. I'm vaguely familiar with yeah. that. And then I've got Stash, our fat cop. <laughs> I've got Cop Father, Black Cop, and Fat Cop. <laughs> So. <laughs> there you go. So it's a clusterfuck of characters, <laughs> is what this is. And it's going to be confusing. Yeah. I, this is going to be a, a very, it's either going to be a very quick conversation or a very long conversation trying to peel this whole or thing just apart. just a roller coaster of ups and downs. Yeah. Uh, and my one piece of trivia, normally I've got four or five. There's only one, because only one exists. This was shot in Nashville, Tennessee. Which we said that already. Yeah, yeah. which is where we ran away from. And I <laughs> wish we could have ran away from 2017, so I would not have existed in the entire state of Tennessee at the time that this film was being made. Oh, boy. So, yeah. uh, synopsis? Yeah, go for it. Good um, luck. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, at the beginning of the film, all we see is Savannah as a young child. Yeah. Um, Small Indian girl. <laughs> being <laughs> plagued by nightmares, basically. And um, you think that her mother is comforting her. Mm-hmm. Turns out mom is not so much. But um, we time jump with no context. Yeah. And then Savannah becomes Hispanic... American, maybe. <laughs> um, we time jump with no context of very much adult Savannah yeah. still. Um, well, I guess now that's introduced through flashbacks, but adult Savannah as a successful writer struggling with her apparent mother's suicide. Yeah. And um, she's still being plagued with nightmares. Mm-hmm. And her father, who was a cop even when she was a kid, is still a cop investigating these murders that have apparently been ongoing all of her life. Yeah, like they happened 20 <laughs> years ago and now they're happening again. And um, Leland, her brother, I believe, is graduating college, I guess, was what he was... He was graduating something. I do not remember Leland. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they talk about him in passing until he randomly shows up at the house. Oh, that's right, because she goes back to town to yeah. go... Okay, I've got so, you. 
I'm assuming the, he was graduating college. I don't know that they specify if it's high school or college, but he definitely looked too old to be graduating yeah. high school. So I'm assuming he was graduating college, and Savannah goes back to town, I guess, to see him, and we never leave their old childhood home for some reason. No. We don't even see Leland's graduation. We, we, we stay there. <laughs> so. Nobody thinks to leave. And then uh, people start Leland dying. didn't even have his own friends come to the party. It's <laughs> all of Savannah's friends. So, yeah, shit starts going yeah. weird from there. People start getting fucked up. They do. Can we turn the volume on this down just a touch? It seems incredibly loud to me. Yeah. Thank you. I feel like I'm shouting at myself. That's perfect. Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> so you want to dive into the goods? How many goods you say you had? Uh, four. I only have okay, four. Okay, cool. <laughs> so it's going to be Quick. <laughs> we are 12 minutes in. We normally don't get to the goods until the half hour mark. Well, there's so. nothing to say I know, I know. Like I, I mean, up. we've got we got 50 minutes of the bads. So <laughs> I'm sorry, up. Chris Blake. You can write me an angry email at... Nightmareboxproductions at gmail. And I won't apologize to you. You owe me an apology. <laughs> well, I looked up, like, we normally, you know, dig through the trivia and stuff, and I looked up, like, the Wikipedia, and even though Wikipedia had, like, three lines even, like, doing a synopsis of the film yeah. themselves, like, they didn't even, like, say who any of the characters were, which is why I had to go back yeah. to the IMDb. In, in his defense, first attempt at a feature, or first... Feature uh, debut that, feature film, First yeah. debut, yeah, the debut feature film. Mm-hmm. Um... And we don't have one for ourselves, so I'm, I'm going to give him that leeway yeah. of maybe this is just... I don't. I just don't know how the first attempt wound up on Netflix, but that's <laughs> not... First attempt is you and five of your friends drinking beer and laughing at this <laughs> film that you should never say, have left your base. In our defense, though, we submitted our short film to be made fun of, and I would definitely submit my feature film to be made fun of, yeah. so I will be laughing at my own two-star <laughs> episode someday yeah. in the future. The dolls got made fun of on a podcast that makes fun of short films, and it was a good move for us. <laughs> Drew a lot of attention our way. Maybe we can help out Chris Blake. <laughs> Go All for right. it. Um, T.S.O. I will start... By the overall premise, the like basic mm-hmm. torn down to its core story was kind of interesting. Yeah, um, I guess we'll the just parts go ahead that and, we understand. Yeah, yeah, the parts that we understand. I guess we'll just go ahead and spoil the whole plot here. Um, her mother was, I guess, apparently a very driven, serial uh, killer, successful <laughs> writer um, who wrote horror novels and, yeah. I guess, apparently turns out, which I missed that on the first watch, mm-hmm. um, was a serial killer and her father was discovering all these bodies and she was purposely trying to traumatize her child yeah. um, at the same time to kind of, like, envelop her world in this whole trauma so she could be inspired to write this book. Jax, settle. Um, her daughter, it literally took her her entire daughter's life, I guess, to write this one book because she was working on it as her daughter was a child and didn't finish it until her daughter was an adult. Mm -hmm. And her daughter shows her the book and she's furious about the whole instance, I guess, and, um, murders her mother and steals her mother's work and publishes it as her own. like a hanging, yeah. Yeah, um, everybody thinks her mom hung herself and she, uh... Pretends that this work is her own, has it published, and acts like, oh, you know, all these traumatic things happened to me, and I yeah. suffered from these nightmares, and it inspired the work. But mm-hmm. every time she goes to, like, do interviews or somebody wants to talk to her about her work, she has nothing to say. Because yeah. she didn't actually write it. Yeah, like those, like, <laughs> breakfast club people that they had. At the... Yeah, and then, for whatever reason, when they go back hey, to her I'm childhood... Hey, Jim. Hey, this is Andy. <laughs> Let's talk about your novel. <laughs> 
Um, but for whatever reason, when they go back to her childhood home, she has kept the original manuscript in that home all these years yeah. and um, gets busted. And then that's her big psychotic break is that somebody found out her big secret, so she just kills everybody. Yeah. Strips down to her underwear, starts talking about it. Hey, Jax. All right. Well, welcome to the show. <clears throat> um, Did the cat just die? Did you see that? <laughs> he just, like, flopped over onto like, his don't back. don't kill me. <laughs> um... Minus the week ending, uh, the premise itself is kind of neat. It's a yeah. traumatized, uninspired young girl who... I appreciate any movie that pays due attention to psychological illness and doesn't use a monster as a cop-out. Like, I, I can fall for that for sure, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, like, I, I like the, the premise of, like, her mother is the original kind of psycho, mm-hmm. and she's kind of molded this young girl into being yeah. herself redone that whole and hurt people hurt people yeah yeah and like it's it, it is kind of interesting because they do to some extent make it obvious once you know the secret that this character is not the yeah. creative individual like she's just kind of living in her mother's shadow and maybe that's where her final snap comes mm-hmm. from but um not executed the best no we got so many bads <laughs> I wanted to cut you off with so many like smart quips right there, and I can't talk about them because they're all in my beds. So they'll come up. <laughs> that was also on my list. Decent concept, executed like dog shit. Like this, it needed maybe one more soft tightening of some mm-hmm. finer details, and the writing would have been fucking next level. Um, I mean, it has plot holes that are on its face. You know, like once you see them, you're like, oh, the mother of God. But yeah, I could, I, if you boil it down to the bare bones, this is a decent concept. Yeah. And I think it does have a lot of potential. It just got kind of lost in all this extra fat that didn't need yeah. to be there. So as far as writing goes, when it first started out, probably as a short story. We're trying story. not to shit on this in the yeah. goods. It's yeah, hard. No, okay. Trying. Like Because I'm assuming this started out as a smaller concept initially. Well, that's what it um, was, was I guess it got sold as a short film. Oh, really? And so it worked as a short film, but when they blew it up, then you've got to... Now you're just adding a Fat fucking hour it. and 15 yeah. minutes of filler. Yeah, and I'm assuming the original concept in its initial phase was probably pretty cool. Yeah, probably started with the meltdown, went into the flashbacks, closed on that sick shot of the you know, skull being placed back on the face like the passing of the torch yeah um if i had to guess i've never seen the short (laughs) uh you want to go next (laughs) (laughs) well you killed one of mine so i'll let you keep rolling i'm about to burn through two of mine together okay um (laughs) the the good segment super short (laughs) um these kind of go hand in hand i mean there are two separate relationships but i might as well talk about them both at the same time so the relationships in this movie are not well developed at all so these concepts could have been expanded on so much more and could have been so much more beautiful but i like taking up a lot of that filler space that we're talking about like if we had built the relationships we wouldn't have needed all the extra like who done it you know shit that was thrown in there um but i like the mother daughter dynamic and the father daughter dynamic like they have very opposing relationships like the mother daughter it's like the mother lives or the daughter lives in her mother's shadow and wants to be her mother and like mm-hmm. 
the mother is leeching off of her daughter and like using her daughter to kind of fulfill her own dreams. And it's like, at what cost are either one of these characters willing to go to, to become, you know, successful and famous Mm -hmm. and fill, you know, fulfilled with themselves. Like the, the mother is traumatizing. It's a very interesting dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, Like the mother is traumatizing the child. And even when the child is an adult, she's like, this is what it takes to be a real writer. Like she's never proud or sorry or, Shows love or affection to yeah. her own daughter. Never has a good and a bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> Chris, if you're writing about your own life right now, we're about to make you cry, my man. But <laughs> like, it, but it's just interesting because like the daughter, for whatever reason, still looks up to the mom and wants to be yeah. like the mom. But the the mom is like this leech almost. Mm-hmm. And then the father, as a supposing character for whatever reason, as a cop, never stops the treatment that the mother is inflicting on the daughter, never stands up to the mother, I'm assuming... Knows about the homicides. Well, I'm assuming he must have divorced the mom and left. They don't ever address what happened there, but when she kills the mom, the father isn't in the home at all. Like, he sends one of the cops to be like, sorry for your loss, you know? This is apparently a writer who is being supported on a cop's salary, and she got custody, and that's how fucked up our court system is. Yeah, and, um, like, they imply that he hasn't seen his own daughter in years and years and years, Mm -hmm. so I'm assuming he must have divorced the mother and left the household. Like, never... Stands up to the mother, never tries to pull the daughter out of that situation. But at the very end, when he goes into the house and sees his daughter covered in blood yeah. and, like, knows that she's killed all these people, he just walks out. Like, he doesn't tell anyone. He leaves her there. And, and like, there's this moment, if it had been shot better and if the relationships had been developed better, there's this beautiful moment of him recognizing this is my broken child that I yeah. left in this broken environment and I can't turn her in because I- I've contributed to turning her into this thing yeah and that's you've stolen another one off my goods which (laughs) is that is the only real chemistry that one scene in the entire film but it's you know it could have been better yeah but it was the best executed scene for me in the entire film is him giving the all clear knowing full full stop that he's got to clean up this goddamn murder scene to protect his daughter you know it's yeah, and there's, like, this look of defeat on his face, yeah. too. Like, I've contributed to turning her into this, and it's just like, we've done this. Like, yeah. we've created this monster, this metaphorical monster together. My so. inability to stop your mother has led to my inability to stop you, and yeah. now it's hurt all of these people. Yeah, And it's a shame, because it's the only time in the entire movie that these two characters come face-to-face, and I guess you could have still done it that way. Was and it made the only it, time? Yeah, that... The entire movie. That's right, because they're they're showing up, and he's like, "We have to go speak to my daughter." And then the time hop that I'm bad at happens, and uh, yeah, so you're right. Yeah, it's it, the only time. Like, it, I guess you could have still done that, and it still could have been really like a pinnacle moment. But there should have been at least flashbacks of the two of them, or some kind yeah. of development of their relationship. Some reason with why each the other. dad's out of the house, like a scene even where like the dad's fighting for custody, or uh, there's an argument, and he like takes the. Savannah and he takes her to bed, you know, and like kind of tucks her in, like, hey, everything's okay. It it would have worked even if you would have bookended it by having him sing the lullaby instead of mom. Yeah. Like, because that would have established one of the big problems I have with the movie that we'll get to later is that they never really make mom feel like a bad guy. They don't make her feel like a good guy. They don't. But they don't spend the. But all all of the characters are kind of flat, to be honest. And like, that's. 
I mean, it's not in my bads, but I guess that's a good and a bad. Like, there are these potentially very beautiful, like, opposing relationships with her parental figures. And there's no, like, push and pull between mm -hmm. them. Like, that would have been, like, a great, like, yin and yang relationship. Like, these two people have, like, created this, like, psychotic daughter and, like, we just didn't develop it. <laughs> Still has love for daddy. Don't know why. Don't know what happened to daddy. Don't know where daddy's been this entire time. But, uh, alas, maybe he was raising Leonard, or what What was the other guy? Leland. Leland. Maybe he was in charge of Leland. And they don't show... Why was Leland not in any of the flashbacks? Yeah, they don't show... That's maybe why I forgot that Leland was in the movie. <laughs> they don't show Leland at all until he shows up at the house, so there's no development of that brother-sister relationship. We'll get to the bads. <laughs> You're up again, because you stole another one. Oh, I only have one left. Okay, go for it. Um... I scared Brett as Brett was getting out of the shower. Because uh, <laughs> on my last good, I remembered vaguely liking the night. Today, I didn't yeah. just get up in the middle of the movie and go <laughs> fucking take a shower. I got home from work, I took a shower. And yeah, I, I remembered vaguely when we watched this movie that I liked the nightmare sequences. And I could not for the life of me remember why. I was like yeah. at work trying to make notes earlier today. And I was like, what the fuck did I like about those <laughs> scenes? Like, I can't remember one single element of them but it was to, like, the only about. time we were engrossed and not talking over the movie yeah it was the only time in the whole film where i was like well that that's kind of neat and mm -hmm. uh while brett was taking a shower just a little bit ago i literally had to go back and rewatch the nightmare yeah. sequences because i could not remember why i liked them so <laughs> if that's a, a indicator of how forgettable this movie was as a total <laughs> we're still in the goods <laughs> Yeah, I walk I out. I walk out. Why of the, I liked it. I walk out of the shower to uh, open the fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> it was the movie that I yelled it. I was like, I didn't know if you yelled it. If there was some crazy person <laughs> outside who was yelling at us, I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on right now. <laughs> I, was I ain't open the goddamn door for nobody. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Um, but yeah, it is on my goods, and I I have now reminded myself why. <laughs> but I like. What did the... you like about them? Because now you've rewatched them, I can hardly remember. <laughs> so um, they're a little gimmicky, but there are a lot of really well executed tricks in the nightmare sequence. So she goes to bed in the first one with her boyfriend Jack. I think they're already at her childhood mm -hmm. home, maybe at that point, and um, she wakes up in a hospital like wearing a yeah. hospital gown like there's a very That's smooth right. transition where like the scene goes dark for a moment and then you kind of start hearing the sounds of the hospital coming up and then she's in this gown and it's um all dark like all the lights are off and mm -hmm. there's like uh alarm lights flashing and an alarm that's just repetitively yeah. going off in the background and then you hear this like very distant like echo conversation of her mm -hmm. and her mom talking when she was a child and she's like well, do you want me to check the closet? And she's like, no. Yeah. She's like, well, I'll check for the monsters or whatever. And it's this really like eerie conversation while she's walking around this creepy atmosphere of her mom, like trying to comfort her. And mm -hmm. she's like, I'll check for the monsters when her mom is the monster. Yeah. Um, Side note, pro move because of how confusing the movie is. If she woke up in the psych hospital real world at the end of the movie in the last 30 seconds, <laughs> I might be sold. <laughs> um, One scene, Chris Blake, uh, Let's they, be writing partners. They use a lot of gimmicks, like the whole flashlight cutting out, yeah. and then they're a little overkill in some of the nightmare sequences with color theory, where it's very aggressively blue, and then it's very aggressively red, and all that. But um, there's this really cool, like echoey sound to the environment. Yeah. Like even her own breathing sounds like it's like this distant echo 
Um, well, you hit on something too there, which is they did a really good job with transitions into all the nightmare sequences, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, because yeah. it always left us like guessing for you know half a second. Yeah, not where, long. Like it was easy to put together once the weird shit started to go down. Yeah, um, and yeah, in the the second nightmare sequence, she falls asleep in the car. They stop at a gas yeah. station. She gets up and goes into the gas station. And then gets shut into this dark room. And then when the light kind of comes back up again, she's in her old childhood room mm-hmm. again. So, yeah, really cool transitions with the nightmare sequences. But there's a, a moment, too, when she's still in the hospital where she's walking down the hall. And I think she hears a bang or something. And she turns around and starts going back down the hall. She just came down. And there was nothing on the floor the first time around. And, yeah. like, initially I thought it was kind of cheesy. But knowing that she stole her mother's book, like, the second time watching it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah. When she goes to walk back down the hall the second time, it's completely littered in paper. And it's, like, blowing mm-hmm. past it's her the, as she's the walking. the manuscript, yeah. Yeah, and it's the manuscript to the novel that she stole from her mother. So, like, on the second viewing, I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't get it the first time because... The premise wasn't very clear. Yeah. But <laughs> are we cheersing again? <laughs> um, but it was kind of neat. And then um, there's that neat moment where she's talking to the therapist too, and we get the initial flash of like her mother's feet just swaying. So mm-hmm. you like realize in what should have been kind of a calm environment, oh, mom hung herself. Yeah. So it's just kind of the sharp like, oh shit, that. That's happened. why we're here. Yeah, and it was neat. Therapist. Yeah. And so there's a lot of cool little moments where they kind of show like this nightmare world in her head and it's executed pretty cool. Um it's a little cheesy her following the child version of herself, but even that was like mm-hmm. kind of neat, I guess. Like she hears her parents like arguing and that's where you kind of get this hint that oh, like mom was killing people in the past yeah. and then she follows the child version of herself out to a shed that's on their property, and all you see is the door opening and her looking shocked. You don't get to see what's in it, but I'm assuming they don't make it very clear. But mm-hmm. at the tail end of the movie, she finds like the skull mask and all that. I'm assuming that's what was in there. There was some sort of ritual going on that was not threaded through. Yeah, the... we'll, we'll get to it. So that that part's a little meh, but like the <laughs> the nightmare sequences, I will say, a little gimmicky, but. Pretty neat. Like, yeah. they were the one parts of the movie where I was like, oh, wait, what's what's happening? Yeah, so. what's going on here? That's all my goods. So what do you got left? I've got two more. One that I kind of already hit on is um, it doesn't shy away from psychological horror. Um, listeners of the show might know I have a problem with that Cloverfield movie because it turned out to be aliens when you had the perfect opportunity for it just to be a paranoid schizophrenic. Um, you might also know from listening to a couple of our episodes that I have bipolar disorder <laughs> and I am diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. Like, I am a, a giant ball of nerves that bounces around the grocery store trying not to kill myself and everybody around me. So I, uh, I've, I've got a recorded nervous breakdown. I love when a movie does not pull away from its psychological roots. Um you have a book about a nervous breakdown. I, I have a book I wrote during a nervous breakdown. It's called The Bad Man Diaries. You can buy it on Amazon. You go over there to Barnes & Noble. Eventually, you'll be able to go to the right on a certain website. The Nightmare Box And you can send me $10, and I might just send you that book. I'll autograph the motherfucker. If it costs me $15 to get it to you, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's pretty easy. Um, written during a time where I was feeding a sandwich to a closet. So... <laughs> But uh, no, I, I, I love a movie that does not shy away from its uh, psychological roots. A lot of people have problems 
uh, with that, where they're like, oh, you're using an illness as a scapegoat. And to me, that's not what it is. When that is happening to you, it's the most terrifying thing ever. Like, it, like you know uh, sometimes that it's not real, and then, like, when it's happening, you don't. Like, I, I can't really put it into words. Yeah. You kind of have to spend a year feeding sandwiches <laughs> to imaginary homeless people who live in your closet. Um but when it doesn't pull away and go, it's a monster or it's a copy, like what they could have done here. They could have gone, it's a copycat serial killer. It's some dude named Brendan, or they could have brought back Leland and been like, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Um, but this whole thing unravels in her head. And at no point does the movie pretend that that's not what's going on. Like they're letting her unravel. It doesn't give you that closure you want at the end where you're like, oh, they caught the bad guy because the dad steps away. So the dad is complicit now in her homicidal um, psychosis. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love a film that leans on that psychological pedal, pushes it to the floor, and just drives that shit through a brick wall. And I will say, I did think it was going to be a supernatural element for a minute there. If they would have done that, like if she would have gone and there would have been like 30 people at a ritual all holding axes and beating themselves in the head, I would have been so pissed off. (laughs) Well, like they have that moment where they're telling um, stories around the campfire and that's another moment where they tell, or they ask Savannah to tell a story and she's like, no, I don't like that kind of stuff. And it's like, wait, what? You're a horror writer. Like you write this stuff. How do you not like this stuff? And then I am not interested if anybody's, uh, unless it's a fun drinking party, I don't want to get into the occult. I don't fuck with it. (laughs) Well, they're just telling like scary stories. It's like scary stories. Oh, the the scary stories part. I thought you were talking about the ritual. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to go to a blood ritual. No, they're all sitting around. Dig up a dead body. (laughs) They're all sitting around the campfire and they ask her to tell a story and she refuses because she's like, I don't like that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then Leland kind of takes up the torch and he tells the story that kind of ends up being like a joke. Where he's like, I saw this thing, and we yeah. kept getting closer and closer, and then it was a scarecrow. You know, and then he has, like, a private moment, I think, with Savannah later, and he's like, but it wasn't a scarecrow. Yeah. Like, we know it wasn't a scarecrow. And, like, for a moment there, I thought they were indicating it was a supernatural element, and, like, to me, that's kind of a missed opportunity, too, to have developed that, because... Could have flashed back to mother standing over the two kids. Yeah, if it was the mom, like, that's a missed opportunity to develop where she, you know, to some extent maybe traumatized Leland too. And then maybe the dad was like, fuck this, I'm getting my son out of this home. I want to see the movie that is the backstory to All Light Will End. Just call it Light. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, like... there, there was room to develop these kind yeah. of cool little, like, asides, which was all they ended up being. Because, again, we wasted time on fatty filler. <sighs> My last one is a feminist point. Oh. Are you ready? Because uh, I? I didn't think about it. Because uh, early into our two stars, I would throw a fit if we were like, no titty! And I've grown. I've grown, audience members. I've grown to <laughs> appreciate you? film without titty. And um, right up until the end, at no point does this film objectify Savannah. But then they do at the you end don't, for no they reason. They do at the end for absolutely no reason. But I didn't even notice that. Like, I, I was reading a couple of reviews trying to, like, 
spark my brain off of, you know, what's going on here. Um, that I missed something in the plot. And one mm. of the reviews I read was by this person who writes, like, feminist reviews. And they were like, well, at no point did they objectify the Savannah character. And um, I thought that was brilliant in hindsight, was you, you, you do not have, like, a shower scene where she's, you know, doing anything like that. You kept her as a woman mm-hmm. throughout the entire movie. And then for next to no reason... She strips from her bloody clothes to her bloody underwear and then goes on a murder rampage. Yeah. There is this weird, which I don't know... I don't know that that would really necessarily be considered a sexualized moment. It's just weirdly, like, how perverse her mind is in that exact moment. There is a moment where she kisses her mother on the lips. I missed that. Before she smothers her mother to death. I I remember the smothering. Yeah, she kisses her on the lips because there is a scene where... um, or I'm assuming it's in the movie. It's in the trailer because I went back and watched the trailer. <laughs> and I'm assuming it's in the movie and I'm not just making that up. But um, yeah, she like, her mom's asleep on the bed and she kisses her mom on the lips and that wakes her mom up and then she smothers her. Like the girl on girl action yeah. is, you know, kind of weirdly sexualizing women yeah. making out for no reason. But Incestually. Um, but like the fact that she's doing it with her mom, it's almost like this kiss of death. Like I'm mm-hmm. taking this from you type moment instead of like a sexualization because her mom wakes up and her mom's not into it. Her mom's like, the fuck are you doing? You yeah. know? And she smothers her. It'd be weirder if her mom was into it. <laughs> and then you learn that about your mom right before you kill your mom. <laughs> so it is a, a, an interesting flip on that, I guess. Yeah. But, but like in a lot of films that we've watched for the two stars, there's this like out of nowhere sex scene you know like i can't remember what it was but the one where they were fucking outside in the thunderstorm that we hated i can't remember what the deal was it just kept flapping to like people having sex outside for Mm -hmm. next to no reason the one about the wife that had a miscarriage yeah yeah, yeah. um but this one doesn't do that until the very end and then it ruins its own good which leads us no wait before we get into the bad that is actually a good point because i didn't think about this um when they get to the childhood home um faith and her boyfriend are having very noisy sex in the other yeah. room and savannah and jack are just laying there like staring at the ceiling <laughs> and then i think jack asks if she wants to have sex and she goes no not really like, yeah me either and then they both just roll over so that is kind of interesting they like completely leave yeah. out the gratuitous sex scene no they they had all the opportunity in the world to use that as like a at least people are still watching because of the titty and they did not resort to mm. titty so for the first time in my life i'm gonna praise a movie for not resorting to titty because <laughs> normally when i'm not enjoying a movie i can go eh, at least there's titty <laughs> <laughs> but that all said and done Oh, we did a lot better than I thought we were going to do. Now we're going to have to tear through like 14 bads. Go. What time are we at? 38 minutes. Jesus. Um, I thought we were, we, we blew through of so many of the goods and then we had good discussion. Great <laughs> dynamic. Look at us This go. is the greatest goddamn podcast of all time, people. <laughs> if you want to tell us how awesome we are, you can tweet <laughs> us your twat over at. <laughs> Nightmare Box Pro. All right. Continue the bads. <laughs> um, biggest number one for me outside of plot holes, which uh, that's definitely in here. Um, the lack of development with the characters. Like, there yeah. are too many characters, um, and none of them are fleshed out. Like, if you had dropped a couple of the characters and then just kind of developed this weird family dynamic, like, it would have been a way cooler story. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't need Faith and her boyfriend and... 
I guess you could maybe leave Savannah's boyfriend in, but yeah. you don't really need all these extra people. We don't need the two extra cop characters. We don't need the psychiatrist. Like, we... I mean, we def- not that psychiatrist. Maybe a different psychiatrist. Yeah. Uh, the, the friend group that, like, drinks beer, like, one big swig at a time. Like, it looked like I was watching teenagers pretend to drink beer. It's like, have you never been drunk with your friends? Yeah. Who the fuck are these people? And, like, there's, like, this whole, like, wasted time on, like, her morning sequence, her getting up and getting ready before she goes and talks on some radio show. Like, we yeah. could have left the radio show out. Like, there's... Like, if we had cut some of these fatty characters out and then just developed the core group, it would have been a way cooler yeah, story. and you can get your point across. You can get your point across, and I'll knock one right off my list, as a worldwide bestseller, which is <laughs> not a fucking thing. You know why it's not a thing, Kristen Pennington? Because uh, they keep track of that stuff individually per country. Oh, my God. It's the New York Times bestseller list is the one that everybody wants, and that's just us <laughs> it's just america people in bangladesh no people in afghanistan <laughs> those that can read probably not scared about your abusive midlife crisis that is going <laughs> on here but yeah no they don't they don't develop any of the characters in the slightest. I just wanted to point out that they used worldwide best-selling <laughs> author. JK Rowling is not a worldwide best-selling author. Maybe the word international that's a good one <laughs> or best-selling. <laughs> oh boy. Worldwide best-selling author of people in fucking Africa buying your book and going, "Oh my god, what a hard life she lived. Go fuck yourself." <laughs> You a little bit Sa- salty about it? Savannah's a cunt. <laughs> I just like to know what she thought she was going to do when people were like, so when's your next novel yeah, coming out? You would have thought she would have at least read her own book, you know? <laughs> I'm about to go on this radio show. I should probably read this worldwide best-selling novel. <laughs> oh. What you got next? Um, I guess yeah, plot, definitely. Um, another huge, huge one. Um... The plot is lost in so much nonsense. There's yeah. this weird aside where we think these two scrawny-ass red-headed twins are the killers for some reason. I forgot um, about the twins. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're yeah, the, 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 the troublemakers. The, the, in the cleanest rednecks you've ever seen in your life. Like the dudes wearing overalls. And they're like, yeah, man, I like working on Camaros. <laughs> and neither one of them has a car, like grease stain. Yeah. Like they're, they're very well put together. They're wearing makeup for next to no fucking reason. Whose casting choice was that? Who's. Yeah, there's these twins who don't look like troublemakers to me that are for whatever the town troublemakers there's the old lady that they go visit who found the head on her farm for some reason there's um these two extra cop characters working with her dad that i guess are the comedic relief but they're really not terribly interesting characters they come in before the horror happens so they don't work as comedic relief they're not like last house on the left where you've got the guy like chase or he's like in the chicken truck and it's like, ha, ah, I need that laugh because I just watched a woman get raped. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the the whole radio host thing, her garbage psychiatrist, there's just so much oh, extra. I, I, no, it's terrible acting and direction of the actors throughout the film. Can we, like, knock that right out of the park? Yeah, it is. I mean, there's no chemistry between it. It's anyone. horrific. 
Like, I don't feel sympathy when Faith's boyfriend gets killed because we don't care about them as a couple. I don't feel sympathy for Jack and Savannah's relationship. Like, I don't know what no... happened to Leland. He got stabbed by Faith, which is what started the whole thing. How? Why did Faith stab him? Because Savannah had killed Faith's boyfriend already. So Faith's boyfriend is the one who found the original manuscript, confronted her, tried gotcha. to get her to fuck him while he was confronting her with this, I know your dirty little secret. Oh, he's like blackmailing her. Yeah. That, that was so, Paul. I think, I'm pretty sure that was Paul. That was the only one I, <laughs> no, that was the only one I said I couldn't find earlier. And I'm pretty sure Paul was Faith's boyfriend. Okay. So he's like trying to get Savannah to fuck him while blackmailing her with, I know your mom wrote the book. Savannah kills him. For some reason, just tosses his body in the woods. Faith stumbles across the body and somehow like immediately accuses Savannah. She's like, you yeah. definitely did this. And Savannah's like, what? What? Le- I'm five foot four. I and weigh 120 pounds. Leland <laughs> is also there like, what? Everybody yeah. calm down. And for some reason, I guess she swings the axe because they don't show any of the like attacks. They don't show anyone actually ever being killed in this movie. So I'm assuming she swings the axe, Leland steps in the way, and she kills Leland. And then she's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, it was an accident. And then Savannah kills her, because she's like, bitch, you killed my brother. Yeah. At what point is it the actor's fault, and at what point is it the director's fault that he's not like trying to build a chemistry? Or, hey, how about you don't sound like a piece of fucking cardboard? I'm trying to win the best original screenplay at the Toronto International <laughs> Spring of Horror in 2018. I honestly don't think you can blame this on the actors. Like, the actors weren't great. Like, I will definitely say the We've actors We've worked were with not great. great actors in the past. Yeah, but the script has so much extra shit just tossed in there, I think literally just to make yeah. it a longer movie, um, that there wasn't any screen time for these characters to build this relationship. So they did the best they could with the, with what they had to work with, in my opinion. Like, I don't think this was, for once, I don't think this was the actor's fault. God damn right. Like, I think... I'm getting sympathetic on the actors. <laughs> Normally, I just blame the actors. But I was like, who the fuck is telling them what to say here? Like, well, and the, those were literally... Deliver it with emotion. Don't just sit there like you're on the casting couch. Like, that's what this feels like. This feels like a dry read. Well, those were literally the only scenes they had together, too. Yeah. So it was like, at what point are they supposed to develop some chemistry together? So I... It feels like a college film. Yeah. It's bullshit. What you got next? We got um, so many of these, we can just fucking throw them back and forth and I'll hob and knob where I can. The time jump frustrated Okay, me cool. That's my number one. <laughs> um, We go from seeing this... Like, I don't mind time jumps, per se. I don't mind time jumps. This time is, jumps work. This is a time... If done well. <laughs> this is a time jump with literally no context of any kind. So we go from this young girl having nightmares about this weird... 4 a.m. <laughs> we have... Uh, we go from this young girl having weird nightmares about this skull-faced person to very clearly, like... Like mid to late twenty year old Savannah for some reason still living at home with yeah. mommy, and she's furious at her mother for traumatizing her and murders her mother. And at no point have I seen her mother traumatizing yeah. her. Oh, that's on my list as well. So I don't understand why. Very clearly, adult Savannah is still living at home and angry at mom. Well, she's a writer <laughs> who is living off a writer's cop. Child support salary. <laughs> but the 
time jump also causes us to miss out on a relationship with dad, relationship with brother. Like, we don't even get a build yeah. up to her meeting her own boyfriend. It's just she has a boyfriend. You know, the most frustrating thing about the time hop is that if you show it sequentially, he's like, we need to go see Savannah. And then, like, six hours pass, and then he goes and sees Savannah. If you look at it in real time, like he shows up. He's right down the road. It takes him forever to get there. All the daytime killings took longer than five minutes. No, I meant the time jump from child to adult. Oh, well, I'm talking about the other (laughs) massive time problem, whereas (laughs) you take the bookends of the film and they don't line up. Yeah. So he didn't find the body parts the night before, wake up, go, I need to find Savannah in the middle, and then at the end shows up. Like, everything happened. Yeah. And for some reason, these body parts are scattered all over the place. Just being carried by little terriers, if I remember correctly. Even though, yeah, she killed she killed Faith's boyfriend the night before and the day after everybody else died. Yeah. So all these people died in the span of, yeah, maybe 12 hours or so. And for some reason, the body parts are scattered all over and they're getting calls. We found another one. We keep so. getting all these. Where is she going? I thought she was hanging out with her friends in a cabin. How does she have all this extra time to commit all of these fucking murders? <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Um, I wish I guess that's plot holes, too. It's just... It, it's terribly timed up. <laughs> yeah. Horrifically timed up. I've got... Um, uh, speaking of time... Are we to believe that the mother committed the murders 20 years ago? Because on first watch, it looks like they're implying that Savannah committed these murders 20 years ago. And uh, did her mom commit the murders to write a book? Because you could just write the book. Like, you don't need to commit the murders and traumatize the child. Like, was she a serial killer? Was she a writer? Was this Maybe she was suffering from severe writer's block. So, I mean, I've <laughs> suffered from severe writer's block. I've killed zero people in order to write a book. <laughs> Maybe it's what I need to do, but I've got two or three, you know, pretty decent editions that I'm trying to work my way through, and I've had to kill zero people to create them. See, I didn't even catch, like, my problem with that is that I didn't even catch the whole murder thing at all in the first, like, viewing of it. Like, I completely missed the part where... The dad yeah. was like, yeah, there are bodies. What happened? It was it's so like subtle. one sentence. Yeah. And like, that's the only time it's addressed. And We know what you're doing. What? Are you finger banging your daughter or are you a serial killer? Because we mean no way. Well, they don't even show the mom and dad talking. All you see is the little girl poking her head out of her room, kind of eavesdropping. And you catch that literally just like quickly in passing mm-hmm. and then it's gone. And I didn't even catch that line the first time. So... To me, all like what I thought the movie was when we watched it the first time was, mommy likes to dress up as a creepy monster and hop out of my closet and yeah. scare me and a sing whole lot. fucking freaky ass lullabies. Yeah, so like I thought that's what it was. Like her mom was like pretending to be the monster in the closet and the monster under the bed. I completely missed that people were getting killed yeah. the first time around, and then by the time she was an adult, because that's like what she talks about on the radio. Um, host too. She's like, yeah, I had all these nightmares as a kid and like it inspired me to write this book. So I thought the movie was literally about her mom pretending to be the boogeyman until she yeah. snapped psychologically and killed her mother. Yeah. So I completely missed that people were being killed, period. Yeah, not that her mom was an axe murderer. Yeah. And I almost feel like that would have been a better story. Like mom is trying to write a book about 
a child with all these traumas and these fears and all this stuff like that. So she just dresses up and plays pretend yeah. and freaks her kid out. Like, I thought that's what the movie was and about. the child and, grows up to be an axe murderer yeah. and the mother is innocent. Like yeah, that. like that would have been a cooler story. Like, mom's just really fucked up in the head, like, yeah. thinks it's cool to freak out her child and then mom gets been her there, comeuppance. <laughs> so, like, if she had still killed mom, I would have still been cool with that because, like, that's what I thought the movie was. <laughs> this is a giant pile of reeking dog shit. Speaking of the mother, um, I would say... And correct me if you think I'm wrong, that the novel is Chekhov's gun in this film. Uh, no way. Um, and that it's put in the room and then it's used to set up the climax. The novel that the mom wrote? I think it's undeniable. Like, it's brought in, and then the reason for the second set of murders is because it's discovered. Yeah. 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 But the concept that the mother wrote the book, and that she merely added a title page and said it was hers, um, comes far too late in the movie. And we never establish the mother as, like, an evil... Mm. Thing. Like, not a good parent, but not a I raised an axe murderer parent. You know? <laughs> like, she's not like putting cigarettes out on the kid and typing away, and then the kid might have grown up to like type on a laptop. That's an easy transition. She's smoking a cigarette, and then you introduce that she stole the original idea. We never see Savannah like typing. So, Chekhov's gun technically introduced. Because she's a worldwide best-selling author. And comes up in the end, it leads to the climax. Feels like Chekhov is not introduced until right before he's needed. <laughs> yeah. And, like, again, like, I feel like that's where the story partially suffers from the time jump. And then it, the lack of character development. Like, if there had been, which I kind of, now that I've thought about that like prefer that like mom isn't actually a killer at all mom is just trying to yeah. traumatize the child to understand trauma so she can write about it because that made sense 20 years ago yeah, yeah like what if she's just that dedicated to wanting to like understand this and that's her quote on, <laughs> that's her I, I have to come to agreement with my own age here i'm <laughs> roughly the same age as the lady that was in the film like, <laughs> But she, if that's quote unquote research to her and like in her mind, she's justifying it. Cause she's like, I'm not physically hurting my child. Yeah. I'm just the boogeyman in the closet that's scaring my child. So I can see like reaction. Yeah. yeah. And then the little girl is like, you know, as a teen or young adult or whatever, like so frustrated with the fact that her mom turned her into her like experiment to write this book that she then kills her mother and steals the book. Like something there would have been. Yeah, because it is, yeah, I guess, like, the book is literally only there just so she can kill people, and then there's this weird bloody scene at the end for no reason. So it was, like, literally a build-up to, like, she yeah. axed her boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Where this, and I, you know, I don't want to, like, start a sexist argument, but uh, you with an axe, I still think I could beat you up. I still don't think I'm getting killed by a woman with an axe. That's a wide swinging weapon. 
Like if she would have like pulled out a stiletto and just started fucking stabbing him in the eyes, like I would have been like, yeah, no, you got that. You got quick, short, you know. But if you have to wind back with an axe, the second that that axe goes over your shoulder, I'm shattering your whole head. Like <laughs> your whole shit's fucked up or I'm getting out of the way. Like, she jacked up, like, three dudes with an axe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, her, her boyfriend... Unless didn't. they're sitting on a couch distracted and you hit them over the back of the head with the axe. I don't think there's any shot in hell that that's going down. <laughs> boyfriend didn't seem like a particularly tough dude. And it did kind of come out of nowhere because there is no build-up to it. So I could understand, like, an, like that's not the part that I think is just... <laughs> Like, unbelievable. No, I'm like... just tagging that on. That was <laughs> it's an organic thought. It's not on my paper. Because <laughs> she gets him in the back, I think. Like, he's running away from her, and she gets him in the back. Is how she gets I don't him. think you could chase me down, either. Like, I'm <laughs> going to go ahead and throw that sexist. I think I'm faster than you, and there's sexist. no way you kill me with an axe. Um... My next bad is just that it's the most forgettable two-star yet. Like, period. Uh, so I'll skip that one. And uh, what the fuck is going on with the lighting throughout this entire movie? The it's night shots dark, look no. like they're shot in the middle of the day. The day shots look like they might have been shot in the middle of the night. What the fuck is happening here? And there's that sequence, too. Um I think part of the dream sequence where it was like very, very, very blue. Like it wasn't like, oh, we put up some blue lights. I think they literally shot it all lit up and then color corrected it to blue and was like, that'll mm-hmm. make it look like it's dark in here. It's like blue and dark are not the same thing. <laughs> that'll fix the entire situation. <laughs> Those are not the same thing. Yeah, it's a, a weirdly shot film. Not not any really particularly pretty shots in this one. No, is this the first two-star with no Kristen pretty shots? Uh, I don't think it's the first, but yeah, it didn't have any moments where it was like, oh. We, we've watched films where Kristen's pretty shot was the opening drone shot that they blew their budget on. This <laughs> doesn't have a single Kristen's pretty Nothing shot. Nothing stood out, no. Maybe the manuscript on the floor. It was neat. I wouldn't go so far it to say it's pretty. pretty. It, it was more of a neat effect. Looked like it was a lifetime TV show, not even a lifetime movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I cinematically didn't love it, to be honest. Um, I've I only guess, got one more left, so it's your call. Uh, well, I mean, we've kind of talked about... Well, no, I'll save that one. Um, I have like two left. Go for um, it. Speaking of lack of development of characters, it bothers me... That they didn't show the distance growing between her and her father as she got older. Or her and her brother. Yeah, or her and her brother or anyone in her life. But we... Or anybody in the film. (laughs) Waste time showing, quote-unquote, fat cop. um, Flash. Showing up. There's like a flashback in the movie of him showing up and bringing her something. And he's like... Uh, your dad asked me to drop this yeah. by, and then he like kind of feels bad because she's like clearly upset, and he's like, well, not clearly upset. She's kind of despondent. She's the but... same age she is in the rest <laughs> of the movie, despite this but having happened. You know, he says the line, which is clearly meant to be ironic. Uh, I think your mother would want you to know it's not your fault. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we waste time on a flashback where her father sends someone else in his stead to comfort his daughter, who he thinks is grieving the suicide of her own mother and his i'm assuming former wife like 
there's no build up to that moment and that should be such a critical moment if we're going to have the father actually send somebody else in his mm-hmm. stead because he can't bring himself to face his daughter there needs to be a reason why yeah how about stash and the uh they immediately they find the body part and he starts making blowjob jokes to the black guy where he's like <laughs> yeah she's the slut in town and then at no point is she the slut in town like she doesn't have slut energy she's not introduced to ex-boyfriends so like, yeah and like they're like that but that one scene in particular though it bugs me that there's just someone else sent and we don't get a sense of why yeah like, if you're going to try to establish this disconnect between her and her father, establish a disconnect between her and her father before yeah. you build up to, my father couldn't face me after my couldn't, mother's death. Couldn't show up. Couldn't show up when I came into town. Shows up and lets me run free with triple homicide. Yeah. So, like, I, a lot of wasted side stuff. Instead of developing these core relationships. Very interesting characters. Very interesting relationships. A fucking, it's about trauma. How many you got? I just got one left. Can I do my last one? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of trauma in the film that could have been... Not necessarily, you know, told, but shown. Um, and for me... Because I closed out the goods on a, you did a good job leaning into the psychological horror. The scene that bothers me the most is early. And it's the therapy scene. Mm -hmm. I've had multiple therapists. I've probably had 10 therapists. (laughs) I cycled around. At one point in my life, I was going to a different therapist every day. It was a fucking problem. None of my conversations with my shrink went from I don't want to talk to you to here's my deepest secret that fast. Yeah. Like that took three months to build to. And when they introduced the therapist, there's no like, well, she shows up and she doesn't talk to me. And then today she has a meltdown. When they showed the therapist, it's like, well, this is almost your first appointment. You know, like they've got first appointment energy where mm-hmm. both of them are just staring at the clock like, well, I don't really want to talk and you don't really want to listen. She, you know? Doesn't she literally say the phrase, there's nothing wrong with me or yeah. something like and that? Yeah, and then seconds later it all comes spilling out. That, that, that's not how therapy works. And you can establish the relationship with the therapist just on their demeanor walking into the room. Or him addressing how she never wants to talk and then her having an outburst. But because she's so cardboard of a character, we don't get this emotional thing in the one time where she's supposed to be emotionally vulnerable. And so I think that whoever wrote that scene has never been to therapy. Probably not. That's my theory. Come at me, Chris Blake. (laughs) (laughs) Um... The ending is really what bugged me. I mean, there's this a lot is of... the final bad. I need you to kick the energy up. <laughs> um, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that I didn't care for, but the ending actually really bothered me because yeah. we go from um, this really pivotal, pivotal, <laughs> pivotal moment, pivotal, um, <laughs> pivotal moment where her father kind of recognizes that she's become this monster and like can't bring himself to turn her in because I feel like on some level that character has to recognize his own guilt in the scenario and then she just roams out into the woods strips down and like 
it doesn't make any sense that there's a body in the woods wearing the robe and the mask that has traumatized her from her childhood. And it was I'm either still, the friend or the mother. Yeah, and I'm still not sure who that was. I, I think maybe it was supposed to have been the mother, but again, all these... There's perfect makeup on. Been dead <laughs> well, for years. I don't know that it's the literal body of the mother so much as the symbolic, like, pulling the mask mm-hmm. off the mother. Because she beheaded the girlfriend, so... It wouldn't make a lot of sense for it to be the girlfriend either because she literally cut that girl's head off. They find the head. So um, it's this weird moment where she's like just roaming in the woods covered in blood and it doesn't really make any sense. And then she just stumbles across this body wearing this mask that's, I guess, part of her childhood trauma, but we don't really develop that. And then like the shot of her putting the mask on is kind of neat, but there's no build up to understanding why this is supposed to be important. And to me, the most important moment at the tail end of the movie was the father recognizing her for who she's become now. And then we just throw it away for this like really long drawn out walk of her walking through the woods, stripping down as she's going and like to do a ritual that has not been brought up yet. Yeah. Like there's like the father letting her go is the most important scene mm-hmm. at the end and then it, it is kind of just turned this weird i don't know like gratuitous satanic like ending for no yeah. reason and it's like well in hindsight then i have to kind of remove one of my goods because you're right they did blame it on like the occult and satanism and this ritual that she is a part of you know as opposed to just leaning in like the perfect closing shot would have been they would have developed that relationship dad leaves you end on her like blank stare you know yeah like you don't need to pretend that she's like offering to some deity because you've not established that there is a deity that needs an offering and i don't i don't think and I'm assuming mom had to have been dressing up in that costume because where, where else does that costume come from? I don't think... Worst costume for murder ever. <laughs> yeah. The pig face from Saul works better. <laughs> and I think that was an homage. But, but I, don't, I don't think this girl who <coughs> is mad at her mother for traumatizing her kills her mother. And then I, I guess, yeah, she does kind of assume her mother's identity. But I don't think this girl who has so much hate for her mother puts on this costume. I think she destroys it. Like, yeah. I, I don't think she puts on the mask. I think she smashes the mask. Like, I don't buy that this character who hated her own mother enough to kill her was like, well, you know, fuck it, I'm going to wear the same thing she wore. Like, well, she hated her mother and she stole the novel. So, like, I can imagine, like, on that level, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense. You're right. Well, she also wanted to Why be a writer. Like, she was, like, At bringing... her mother's behest, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, some of that's probably her mother's influence, but she was, like, trying to, like, bring her mother, like, work and, like, find praise, and her mother was like, you'll never be a real writer, like, you don't have, like, what it takes, and, like, I I don't know, like, I feel like maybe I would have accepted. neither do you, Mom, you've written zero books, (laughs) I'm about to take your one book that you've spent my entire life writing, and I'm gonna publish it. Like, I would have accepted maybe that weird ritualistic ending if there had been more development with the mother traumatizing her using that character. But, like, the only time we ever see that character is in her nightmares. Mm -hmm. And then there's, like, one scene, but I think that's also, like, a flashback of her nightmares where 
the little girl thinks the cow mask is on the other side of her bed sheet and she pulls it down and it's her mother's face. So like, that's the only time we ever kind of correlate those two together. And like the ending just seems like silly and like out of place. Yeah. So yeah, I don't like, that's my, like it could have just ended with the dad and we could have called it. Could have called it a long time ago, but we didn't. We ran seven minutes over. Go us. <laughs> Go us. Mistakes were made <laughs> by watching this piece of shit. Um, but if Chris Blake is, is out there and he's mad at me now, he can go ahead and send me an email over at... Nightmareboxproductions at Gmail. And the rest of you can too. Or you can go over to Twitter and you can hit us up at... At Nightmareboxpro. Or you could take a picture of how angry you are that we made fun of it. And uh, you could do that over at... Instagram at Nightmare Box Productions. <laughs> or you can go on over to the Facebooks. We only have one. <laughs> it's not multiple Facebooks. There's multiple books on that face. <laughs> uh, Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Or you can go over to YouTube.com slash Kristen Pennington. You can go watch The Dolls. Directed by Kristen Pennington. Written by a boy! <laughs> that is... Um, the episode. Are, are we good? We the good? website. The website where you could also eventually, you know, what, you know, buy, buy the, the book. Buy, buy the Mad <laughs> Diaries. It's the Nightmare Box Dog The homework assignments are but on in there. But the, in the meantime, you can go over to the top right hand corner, also watch the dolls. Homework assignments. Homework assignments are on there. Short stories are coming your way. I've got a bunch of ideas. I've got a whiteboard scribbled all over, and none of them are going to disappoint you as much as this piece of shit. <laughs> Do we have any more? No. It's been a long day. It has. Quesadillas? Quesadillas. I love you. You love you? I love you guys. We'll talk to you on Friday. 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 Friday.